many things there that are awesome, and uh, she doesn't get them. <clears throat> and when she does, it's bargain brand, and sometimes bargain brand's not right. Am I, you guys understand what I'm saying? Yes. Amen. So, <clears throat> so uh, fireworks finished Tuesday. We are so glad that the uh, season is over. Um, remember I mentioned last year that we had... Uh, that we had broken all of our records of raising money and the amount of, of product that we did and everything. And, um, in fact, I, at our stand, one of our stands was the, the highest-selling stand in the United States. And um, this year, we even went higher. We raised more money than we ever have. And so we're excited about that. This is money that goes to our departments this is money that makes it possible for us to do some, some really um, powerful, positive things and make it affordable for everybody. Uh, we, we offset so many things. In fact, there's almost nothing around here that uh, big events or retreats or camps or whatever that, that you're paying full price. It's, it's just not happening. We're subsidizing that from all of this uh, fireworks stand money. So... Next year, we're going to need, <clears throat> I'm telling you now, because we're, we were really tight sometimes putting, getting people to work at the stands. Uh, so we need you to start thinking ahead, put it on your calendar uh, next, year, next fireworks season that you need to um, work in the fireworks stand. We need you, you need fireworks. So that's how it works. Something I was <clears throat> uh, processing, so, so when I'm, one of the things that's going on right now, and this is going to speak into a couple of other things I'm going to talk about this morning, but one of the things that's, that's going on right now within our country is this thing called grooming, um, where the LGBT community is really working to, to work on the minds and the hearts of children so that they will be thinking in ways that children just don't normally think at the ages that they're working on this, that that they're trying to get kids to start thinking about whether they're a boy or a girl. I just had a, a guy talk to me this week about this, that, um, that his, I think it was seven-year-old boy, they were in the doctor, and the doctor started asking the boy questions. Are, are you sure you're a boy, or do you ever feel like a girl, or those kind of things? That would have been the end of the appointment for me. Um, you, you, you're not going to have that conversation with my kids. And, uh, but that's, that's called grooming. Now, the, the liberals do not like the, con the word grooming. In fact, many times in the, in the Capitol, when I use that word, uh, I would be immediately somebody to get up and, and come, come trying to contradict. I was actually in a uh, committee meeting where we were trying to run a, um, a uh, parents' rights bill, and the, the voices for the um, opposition, they did, they did not want us to have a bill that says parents are parents uh, over their children. They, they greatly dislike this. And so for years, I've, I have um, worked off and on with um, children that are being rescued from human trafficking. I sat on a board of a, of a group that was doing that. Um, we, we had kids as young as eight or nine years old in that situation. Um, that we've seen that have been rescued, all kinds of stuff. Okay, so I've done training. I've been trained a lot. I've gone to a lot of different seminars about this, read books. Uh, when I first got on the board, the first thing I did was read two books that had to do with that. And so I know, I know this arena, right? So um, when I was sitting there listening to the testimony against voting against parents' rights, the people that were testifying, after they were done, I said, uh, I, some of that stuff, I've trained about this, I've done this stuff, and I said that almost every single thing I heard from the opposition would send up red flags in any agency, any organization, any group across the United States, but because we're testifying for parents' rights, this is okay language, and it's grooming, it's pedophilic language, constantly. This um, uh, minor attracted persons, those are called pedophiles, okay? They can use whatever term they want. They're called pedophiles. Well, when you use the term grooming, um, the liberals go nuts. They'll come down to the well. They'll speak, and how dare you say grooming? There is no such thing as grooming. That's the, best, the biggest one I get. There is no such thing. I get emails about this 
all the time, stuff like that. Well, a couple of weeks ago, some of you may have been paying attention to this, but during Pride Month, uh, they had a huge parade in Washington, D.C. This was tens of thousands of people marching for the LGBT community. And they said, this was their quotes as they were walking down the street, and you can get videos of this, okay? This is everywhere. You can, there's tons of videos about this. It's, they were chanting, we're here, we're queer, and we're coming for your children. Well, that's called grooming. Okay, that's also called a threat. Uh, but just, just to put that in perspective, so, I, so this last week I went to a couple places, ABC News, CNN, uh, CBS, some of these places, and just looked at how they were responding to that parade and some of that stuff. And uh, CNN didn't really carry it at all. Um, ABC News had um, a thing where they said that they were saying something else, um, but, but only one guy off to the side was saying, we're coming for your children. It wasn't everybody. It was just this one guy, but nobody knew for sure who he was and that kind of thing. Guys, I, I've got video that shows hundreds and hundreds of people chanting that together. So the, the reason I say that is this, is this is the state of who we are as a country right now, is there is a militant mentality, and it is the LGBT mentality. Okay? When, now, there are some that don't fall into the category, I'm sure. But for the most part, that LGBT mentality says we're going to force this upon everybody else. You need to be processing some of this. You need to be thinking about it. And this is why I'm constantly saying do something. Get involved. Get involved in school board. We've got school board elections coming up in November. Some of you need to be a school board uh, member. <clears throat> and here's the way I would ask the question is, why wouldn't you? Well, it takes time. Well, you have time. Right? We all have time for what we want. And it's for the kids. It's for bringing back morality and godliness and, and um, freedoms and all kinds of things into our public schools. Think about it. Uh, do something. Don't just, don't just process it. Do something. And I just want to throw this out here. I said this a few weeks ago. I've had a lot of conversations about this since then. A lot of you are asking, do you really think this? Do you really believe this? So I believe this, but I don't know how, how strongly I think about this going to happen in the next election cycle. But I really think you ought to at least process and pay attention that there, there is a possibility that the United States of America will not have an election in November of 2024. You should at least process that. I mean, you say, okay, pastors, way conspiracy theorists now. Well, I'm running out of conspiracy theories. They're all coming true, so I've got to come up with some other stuff. Right? But just to think about this, Ukraine, Russia invades Ukraine, and, they, and Zelensky said, let's not have an election. We're, we're in war. We can't have an election. Um, which, by the way, I know that, you know, Russia, big bad Russia invaded Ukraine. Russia, the bullies in Ukraine, is this great country. where You really ought to process who, who Ukraine was before they were invaded. They weren't quite as uh, crystal clean as you think, okay? Um, a lot of those kind of things. Yeah, Russia shouldn't have invaded Ukraine. But you need to process some of this. As I mentioned over the last couple of weeks, we've taken a stand against Taiwan, uh, we're not, we don't believe in Taiwan's independence or their sovereignty or that kind of stuff. China, I believe China is now saying, okay, thanks, we'll invade Taiwan. We'll take Taiwan back. The only reason they haven't is because we have been standing the way, United States. Well, you put war, potential war, China, Taiwan, Iran. Uh, Iran is now saying, Iran came out three or four weeks ago. I'm pretty sure I read that statement here, but it says we have complete nuclear capabilities. The only reason we're not do using them is because we're really nice people. That's what, they, that's what the, the leadership of Iran said. So you take all of that stuff, and then they're just, they're just going nuts on, on Israel right now. Um, the idea that there is not going to be some kind of military conflict in the next year and a half, I think would be naive to assume that. Specifically, if some kind of military conflict can, can keep uh, us from having an election. So I just want you to think about that kind of stuff. We could have another pandemic. They're already, they're already priming everybody for that. Uh, declaration of war, all these kind of things, and the fact that Trump just continues to grow in percentages, the Democrats are not going to let him be president, no matter what it takes. They are not going to let him be president. Okay? Now, with all that said, um, I want to talk about freedom this morning. <laughs> Hold on, it's not what you think. <clears throat> So I want you to ask yourself the question, how free are you? 
on a, on a nationalistic mentality, I, we're losing our freedoms constantly. In fact, that's the biggest thing that I, that I saw this last session um, being a representative is we're losing our freedoms. In every area, in every arena, we're losing our freedoms. By the way, I do, I do hate to embarrass people, but we have another representative in the house this morning. Um, her name is Stephanie Luck back there at the back. And she's sitting beside Mark Bronlick. Those two people are who tricked me into running. I'm just saying. So, I'm just saying. So if you, like, want to, you know, work them over on the way out, whatever. So, so how free are you? We understand that we're losing our freedoms, but I've really been processing this a lot. You understand that, that freedom itself in the concept of just you being an individual, freedom can only come from God. Okay? Government can't give you freedom. Have you, ever, have you ever thought about this? Government can't give you freedom. The only thing government can do is recognize the freedom that you already have or uh, take it away. Government does not give you freedom. Now, with this, I know that I am free right now to do a few things. I am free to, to preach here in the church. I'm free to, you know, buy my own home. I'm free. There's a lot of freedoms that I have, but those, those are being manipulated and trying to be taken away. But here's something that I really have been processing a lot, and, uh, and, and some of this comes from, from going to other countries and these kind of things. I think I may have mentioned this. This was a while back, but uh, the last time Dr. Noor and I went to India, uh, we thought we would get uh, cheaper tickets, and so we went through China. And we, we were going to land in one place in China and then fly right out uh, to, I think, Delhi in India. And it ended up being, we stopped, I think it was four times through China. Because every time we would stop somewhere, they would pull us aside. Well, not newer. He, he, they didn't get pulled aside because he looks Indian. I don't. There was sometimes when I would be questioned for an hour, same questions over and over, just for an hour, just sitting in a room, and, and Noor's just out waiting. And then they would change our flights and fly us to somewhere else, and I'd go through the same thing again. They'd change our flights, fly us somewhere else, go through the same thing again. And I was processing this, specifically one time when it would start, you know, we're pushing an hour, going over, and I thought to myself, am I going to stay in China for a long period of time? Do I know this? Do I know I'm going to be able to fly out? Because here's one of the things. A country doesn't have freedom the way that we have freedom. And if I would have if I would have, you know, bolstered the mentality, I'm a free American citizen, it would have made it much worse. And the idea that I'm a free citizen, China doesn't care. And who am I? I'm, I'm a nobody. It's not like America was going to, it's not like I'm a WNBA player. They're not going to come after me and try to get me back. I love my country. Why would my country want me back? Okay, so, I know I'm picking a little bit, but but I was thinking about this, and I've been thinking about it a lot lately because of all the political atmosphere and everything else. Do you realize that um, you are completely free right now? You are free to read your Bible. You're free to pray. You're free to serve God. And you realize no matter what the control of the situation, country-wise or whatever. We've seen where countries have majorly shut down, you know, the missionaries where they majorly shut down communism, like China, places like that, and the gospel flourished. But we've also seen other places around the world that began to be shut down, and the gospel didn't flourish. Right? One, of the, one of the strongest places in New Testament times in the church was Alexandria, Egypt. Well, that's a Muslim strong hold now, and it used to be a Christian. In fact, it used to be one of the strongest Christian places in the entire world with, with, um, with uh, monasteries, uh, like what we call seminaries, all these other kind of things going on. It's, it's uh, very non-Christian now. But you and I, we're free right now to pray. We're free to, to worship God. You realize that it can never, ever be taken away from you? Well, if the government shuts down the church, yeah, I may not be able to do what I'm doing right here, right now, and, and you may not be sitting in this building, but nobody can stop you from worshiping God. Nobody can, 
can stop you from serving God. In fact, I think one of the dangers that we have in our country right now, I've watched it happen when, um, well, I've watched it happen for years in different elections, but what I'm worried about right now is that Trump gets reelected and the church says, okay, we won the battle. And then we sit back. I've watched the church do that for years. Not just in political type elections. I, I had somebody tell me uh, just recently that um, their, their church, at, at the time he was going to this, this uh, church, and the church elected a, a good pastor, and he was a praying pastor. He was a godly pastor. And he said he knew that that pastor was praying, so he kind of sat back and didn't pray. Guys, you know how easy that is? Well, somebody else is going to. Well, if we let this person, our country will be free overnight. Nope. We have, we're, we're on a train that's not going to be stopped by anybody elected into any position. The only way to stop this thing, the, the direction our country is going, is if we repent as a country. That's really the only way we can change it. We can't, we can't fix these problems. I think if we're not careful, we think the solution is some kind of political solution. Or, and, we, and, and I, could, I could name 20 different things, but, well, if I just got this better job, everything would be good. But, but at the end of the day, who you are as a spiritual person actually has nothing to do with all those other things. Those other things should be outflows of who you are as a spiritual person. When we look at political things, that should be an outflow. That should not be the, the point. The, the, where we're living, what we're doing, what money we're making, those should not be uh, the point. Those should be outflows of relationship with Jesus. That should be, a, that should be the, the spiritual uh, response that comes from our direction, our relationship with Jesus Christ. In John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said to the people who believed in him. This, this is an important thing, who believed in him. And by the way, this believed in him is Jesus' definition, not my definition or your definition. This is, this is a big thing in the church, always has been. But uh, this is, so, so different people have been sending me this article. Many of you in this room have sent me this article that uh, was, was uh, Colorado Politics, I think, and came out in the Gazette. I, I don't remember. I think it came out in the Gazette, but it's a very long article. And it was about that, that the religious people are, are way overrepresented, or religion, Christianity is way overrepresented in the house than uh, everything else, which is stupid. It's a stupid article, and it, was, and it was written stupid. I'll tell you one of the biggest stupid things. It's an article about religion and the house representatives, and they put one little sentence in there. I'm the only pastor, and they put one little sentence from me, and it wasn't even quoted properly. That's proof of how stupid that article was. Don't read it. Now you want to read it, don't you? Yeah. But they talk about all this religious stuff, and there are so many people that are representatives that say they're Christian, but they're not. So we're already... It's already not. The numbers are wrong. The article was stupid or whatever. But it's interesting how we are so easily, in, as, a, as a, the American church, we define what constitutes somebody being a Christian rather than the Word of God defining that. And we just come up with whatever we want. In fact, we're starting to see now statistically, and this is coming from census um, information, we're seeing that people are now saying that they are Christians because they live in America or were born in America. Now, this happens in other countries. In India, you say you're a Hindu. Unless you're specifically a Christian, you just say you're a Hindu because you were born in India, not because you are a Hindu, not because you practice Hinduism. Now we're seeing in the United States. Just because that we say this is what makes a Christian doesn't mean it is, and that's why when it says Jesus said to the people who believed in him, Jesus was defining who believed in him. Not people, not society. And this is what he says to them. You're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. You know the strongest way the church in America today defines um, being involved in the teachings of Jesus? Going to church. 
listening to somebody like me. Well, we're listening to the teachings of Jesus. Well, how do you know? How do you know what I'm saying is right? You can't ask me because I'll tell you, yes, I'm right. <clears throat> right? How do you know? Because you get in the Bible yourself. You study to show yourself approved. You don't just assume that what I'm teaching is true. That's dangerous. That's where cults start. You don't assume that what I'm saying is right. That's how you, that's how you, be, that's how you can easily be misled. Years ago, I, I was, this was early 90s. Uh, we were youth pastors at church, and Linda and I were kind of getting, we were young, early 20s. And we were kind of getting caught up in this. This church was kind of involved with prosperity doctrine. And we got really caught up in that. And I really thought Jesus died on the cross so that I could drive a new car. That's what I was told. And, and I'm young. I'm not really in Scripture as much as I should be. And then all of a sudden I started getting in Scripture and I realized, no, Jesus actually died on the cross so that you can be right with God the Father. That's it. Jesus, Jesus didn't do all that so you can be rich. And here's a good way to, to balance anything theological in your life. Is this true? Is it not true? This is one of the ways. It's not the only way, but it's one of the ways. Does, does um, the theology that you are buying into, does it work anywhere on the planet at any time in history? If it does, then it's uh, potentially correct. But if it doesn't work in, for example, um, God wants everybody to be millionaires, well, then just go to Africa. That theology doesn't work there. God doesn't want everybody to be millionaires. It's not why, he, it's not why Jesus died on the cross. And so you can balance this. If it's, if it's theologically sound, it will always be true in any place on the earth, under any time frame, in all circumstances. It will be true. Because why? It's God's word. You're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, here's where we come to the concept of being free. Am I free because I live in America and I'm a free individual because of liberty and all those other things? Maybe. I mean, I, I can honestly say I'm, I'm 52, so uh, I've been around a little while. And we're not as free as we were when I was a teenager, we're not. I don't care how anybody defines it or tries to argue that or do whatever. I know personally our country's not the same as it was then when it comes to just, just liberty. But he says here that the truth will set you free. So Jesus is saying this in a, in a concept that is way pre-America. And there was not the Constitution in Roman times at this, at this time frame, the Greco-Roman world. And Jesus said, but you'll be free. So he's obviously not talking about a free people. And here's, here's another thing that is, I think is important. Jesus specifically says, I did not come to bring peace. That's a statement from Jesus. Well, how can that be true, Jesus? You bring peace into my life and my spirit. Yeah, that's, that's a different. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to bring peace that goes beyond our natural understanding that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, the way we feel, the way we think in Christ Jesus. But Jesus did not come to make sure that countries had peace between each other. That is never going to happen under, under all the perfect circumstances that people are trying to build in our world right now. We're never going to have peace. It's never going to happen. No matter how many Miss Americas try, we are never going to have world peace. And that's not what Jesus came for. He came to give you peace in your spirit. He came to give you personal freedom and peace. And he says right here, if you, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. But we're descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. Did they read their own Bible? They were slaves about every five minutes. But, but we can do this. We can, we can cloud our own minds with non-truths. What do you mean you will 
you will be set free. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Guys, this is one of the reasons I preach against sin so much. Because sin controls, sin destroys, sin, sin locks you up and lets you be manipulated by Satan, which normally you would not be. But you become manipulated. He plays you. He works you. He gets in your head, all kinds of stuff. Why? Because you voluntarily, spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally reach out for something that is not God's plan for your life. It's called sin. And then you grab on to that sin. You start to bring it in. And Satan now says, okay, now I got you. It's kind of like that's the bait and there's a hook in it. And you just grabbed it. And now Satan can play you. And that's his goal. That's what he's trying to do. That's why we have to stay away from sin. When you have the opportunity to, uh, to sin, you've got to reject it. You've got to reject it under all circumstances. Don't play around a little bit thinking, well, I, I think I can get by with this and it won't be that big of a deal. Don't play around with sin. It destroys. And Satan loves it when we do that. I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son, Jesus, son, sets you free, you're truly free. And that's my, that's my desire. That's my, my life. That's my goal is, Jesus, I want to walk with you so that I'm free. And here's the biggest thing that I want to be free of. It's not actually even sin. Uh, the biggest thing that I want to be free from is me. I'm, I'm the problem. Some of you probably agree with that, but guess what? You're also the problem. The biggest problem in, in your life, my life, is always going to be self. My biggest problem is always going to be me because Satan cannot make me sin. So if I'm sinning, I'm choosing. Satan can't make me do anything, actually. So if I'm doing something, I'm choosing. Well, that's me. I'm responsible. I'm the one. So what do we do? We go toward the sun. We, we, we seek the sun, S-O-N. We seek the sun, and then we're truly free. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. <clears throat> I've thought about this with different countries, different places around the world, that, that many, many people are not free. They're not free at all. We talk about this horrible closed-down regime of North uh, Korea, but, but China, has, China has death camps that have hundreds of thousands of people in them individually, and the best that we know right now, there is at least five of these camps in China that have been uh, viewed from satellite that have over 100,000 people in them that are uh, people that disagree with the Chinese government, and the Uyghurs are also a lot of these people. But they, we don't live under that kind of mentality. These people are not free. North Korea is not free, but you know what? There's a lot of Christians in those places. Because why? You can't stop somebody from worshiping. You can't stop somebody from serving Jesus Christ. This is why I think it's important for us. We get, it's easy for us as Americans to get lazy. Right? We got, we got so much stuff that we get lazy about it. There's so many things. We have so many books and materials and songs and, and people and, and preaching personalities and all this stuff. And then what we do is we just wait for the next thing to come along. The next little fad in Christianity. And we all jump on that for a while. We feel good for a while. But we're not actually pursuing God like we're supposed to. We're not actually going after him and trying to walk in his footsteps. We're letting somebody else do that for us. Some book writer, some crusade person, some pastor, somebody else. And we don't have to pursue God. We don't have to get in the word. We don't have to witness. We don't have to be that person because somebody else is going to. And the whole time, our country is caving in spiritually. But, but the next fad. I, I've been in ministry so long that I was already, I'd already been in ministry for three or four years, maybe more than that, maybe four or five, by the time the Pensacola revival came along. And I watched the church just go nuts over this. And we went, Lynn and I went to the revival. But then it's all, everybody has to do this. Everybody needs to think this way. Everybody did well, no, they don't. We're, we're, 
We're going to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. I'm not saying that Pensacola Revival was bad or anything. You know, the, the book, um, Prayer Jabez. Man, everybody just went nuts over that book. It was a good book. I enjoyed it. But he kind of stretched some scripture a lot farther than it was actually intended Especially some of the things that I, I mean, it got just weird. And everybody's a prayer of Jabez. You got to pray the, cha- pr- pray the prayer of Jabez and God will extend your tent pegs. I'm like, okay, I get all that. But, but these are people that have been saved for like 30 years were saying this stuff. And I want to I I say, well, you've had the Bible for 30 years. That scripture was in there. It's, it was in there. Long before Wilkerson, I think, Wilkinson, wrote the book. Long before, I'm not saying it was bad. I think it was a good book. Yet, why can't we get into the scripture? Why can't we pursue Jesus? Why can't we go after Jesus? Why can't we go after the power of the Holy Spirit? Why can't we witness? Why can't we pray and we worship to the point where Jesus is in charge of all of this? Because of of us, because I'm going to walk in Jesus, you're going to walk in Jesus. And so therefore, we have freedom, true freedom, freedom from sin, freedom from the stuff. Because why? Jesus provided it. We're we're very faddish in the church today and very personality-driven too. You know what makes somebody an expert on something? I found this out years ago when I was in seminary. What makes somebody... Um, an expert on something is at least 100 miles. Think about that. You got, we got some experts right here in this room. You just got to call somebody 100 miles away and tell them. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I talked about the old ways a few weeks ago. This is Paul talking about this. Talking about the Old Testament. He says, the old way with laws etched in stone led to death. Well, three weeks ago, I said we were supposed to follow the old ways because that's what uh, the Scripture says, what Proverbs said. Follow the old ways. The law, with laws etched in stone, which led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. Paul is saying that the law is condemnation. It leads to death. But it began with God speaking personally to Moses. Moses walking down the mountain. His face is glowing so much that he had to put a veil over his face. Because why? The law itself is not the problem. The law, it, yes, it can lead to death because there's not an answer. But then Jesus comes along and he says, I'm actually the point of the law. I'm actually the answer to the law. I'm the fulfillment of the law. Because before we were told, in Old Testament, we were told, don't do this stuff, right? Now, there was plenty of relationship with God mentioned there, but Paul is focusing on this part. Don't do this stuff. Well, if you don't have the what are you supposed to do, then it's death. It's condemnation. Don't do all these things. Well, what am I supposed to do? We don't have that list. And then Jesus comes along and says, wait, I am that list. I'm freedom. I'm purpose. I'm peace. I'm everything. I'm forgiveness, grace, mercy. I'm all of this stuff. And before the law, although it, was, it began very powerfully and very glorious, he talks about that. He says, <clears throat> For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. By the way, this is also a sentence, I think, that is important for us when it comes to walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. I've had people ask me before, well, if you're, if you're like filled with the Holy Spirit... Do you ever need to do anything else? Let's, let's say you assume that, which I don't believe this is theologically true the way that people say it, but, well, you're filled with the Holy Spirit salvation. You've got all you need. I hear that all the time. You've got all the Holy Spirit you need. You were filled with the Holy Spirit and salvation. That is not what Acts 2 is talking about. And, oh, by the way, it fades away. That's what he's talking about here. That you're walking with the Lord, you're praying in the Spirit, you're doing things, but you can walk away, not, I'm not saying in salvation, you're still saved, you're still doing the things, but you go through life. You go through life, and all of a sudden, the end of that day, you, you, don't, you don't feel as powerful as you did at the beginning of the day. Well, part of the reason is you're, you're not walking, the, the Holy Spirit is not walking in your, in your, I'm not saying this right, the Holy Spirit is not as powerful as he was in your life before because he's fading away. Because why? Life happens. 
And if we just never talk to the Holy Spirit again, it's, it is, it is uh, spiritually ignorant to think that somehow we're still powered by the Holy Spirit. Because Paul talked about that constantly. Paul talked about you've got to be constantly be being filled. This here says that, that the, the, the Moses' face, he was literally face-to-face with God, talking with God, and God's glory was so strong in him, his face glowed. But by the time he got to the mountain, it was already dimmer than what it was up on the mountain. And he still had to cover his face. And after a while, his face wasn't glowing anymore. There's, that should push us to constantly, constantly be getting in God's presence. Constantly. Because what you have is still limited in this physicalness, and it's going to fade away. That's why you need to be constantly be being filled with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? We should. We should expect to walk in the power and the supernaturalness more after the cross than before the cross. That's very scripturally important that, that, that it's constantly pointed out. If the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious, and those two can be compatible, it brought condemnation, but it was still glorious, still God's word. It's still to be understood and studied. This idea that many of the church throw away the Old Testament, it's all about the New Testament, that makes no sense. You, can't even un- you don't even know why Jesus died on the cross without the Old Testament. Why? What's, what's the point of the blood? What's the point of the sacrifice? What's the point of all that stuff? You don't understand that unless you've got the Old Testament. But with that, it was still condemning us. In fact, the first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new, which remains forever? Look at this. Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be bold. I can be bold. Why? Because Jesus is the one in charge. I'm not. I can be bold because it's his information, not my information. It's his gospel, not my gospel. I, I, I didn't die on the cross. He did. It's his gospel. So that should give me boldness. I can speak to people. I can pray with people. I can expect Jesus to do supernatural things. I believe that one of the reasons that Christians don't pray for people more often is because we're scared that Jesus won't do anything. We're putting too much emphasis on us and praying and everything else. Let's just pray and let Jesus take care of all that stuff. That's what actually, that's what faith is. If you're worried about whether he'll do it or not, that's a, that's a misunderstanding of what faith is in our life. Faith is saying, Jesus, it's not my business. It's yours. I'm not, the, I'm not the, the Savior. You are. I'm not the healer. You are. So I just pray. I just minister. I just do those things. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so that it, the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, The same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this is what we're seeing all across our country right now. It says in the last days, people will believe a lie. They will voluntarily choose to accept something they know is not true. That's what we're doing. The same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. I can give you so many examples over the years. I can give you so many Political examples where people just say, no, I'm, I'm not going to believe that. It doesn't matter what the Word says. And this veil can be removed, how? Only by believing in Christ. So the, the, the individual things that we go through, the veils, the stuff, those, can, those veils can be removed. Those, those blinders can be removed. But how does it happen? Only by believing in Christ. And I think there are certain times in your life when only part of your life well, I think this is actually more common than not. Everything's good in most of your life, but you got one area you're kind of blind to. But you kind of know it, right? You know this, this is not good for you. It's going to hurt you. It's going to harm you. But you just kind of go along. A couple of weeks ago, I was <clears throat> at the house. Linda was out of town. My uh, son called me. He said, hey, I'm going to come over. We're going to watch the race. And um, we really like a, a for- Formula One. And um, so I said, yeah, sure. He said, I met McDonald's. Do you need anything? Well, the answer to need, no, I don't need anything. I will never, ever in my whole life need anything from McDonald's. But 
but I, I don't eat McDonald's ever, pretty much. And he said, do you want me to get you something? I was like, I do need a Big Mac, I think. I've thought it through. I need a Big Mac, large fry. Because you don't go to McDonald's without fries, right? So, so we come over, and I ate it. And I, I think there's something that McDonald's does. I don't know how they do this. It's like almost magic. But you eat it, you chew up each bite, and then somehow inside of you it all works back together <laughs> and becomes a rock <laughs> inside of you, right? I think spiritually that's how it is for us. Like every, every part of you is good, but you got this rock sitting inside of you that you really need help with because this is going to cause a lot of problems, right, for the next 12 hours. <laughs> but I, I think that's what happens is we know, we know we're good in these arenas, but there's this, there's this thing over here, and we, and we just kind of keep it behind us, but it's there, and it's real, and it's messing with our life, and Satan's trying to use it to control us. Instead of us being free, we're, we're like mostly free, and then there's that. And it's got a hook in you. It's got, it's got something that is controlling you. And you did it to yourself. But guys, that's where we have to say, okay, Lord, I need you to work on that. I don't want to be hardened in my heart. I don't want my eyes to be closed to something. No matter how difficult it is, I want to, I want to work on it. I want the Holy Spirit to help me with this. And this veil can only be removed by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings... Their hearts are covered with that veil, and they do not understand. That's still, that's still happening. Even with the Jewish people, that's still happening right now today, but it happens with us too. I think about this every year when we do our Seder dinner, and we, and we uh, talk about the Passover and all the things of the Passover. That the Passover points straight to Jesus Christ. Every element of the Passover point to Jesus. And the Israelites have been doing this for thousands of years, and they still can't see Jesus. I don't understand that. I've read Isaiah 53 with a Jewish rabbi before, and he, he just said, he said, that has nothing to do with this guy you call Jesus. How do you see that there? And I'm like, how do you not see that? Because, guys, we get the veil. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. That's great. That's great. We had a guy in first service walked in. He said, hey, I just got saved this week or last week, um, so I'm going to come to church. He was in Pennsylvania at a church. He got saved. And the pastor looked us up online and said, you should try this church. I don't know, who, I don't know any of the details of that. I need to find out. But then he said, no, by the way, my parents are going to come with me. I said, oh, are they Christians? No, not yet. Guys, here's the thing. When somebody turns to Jesus, the veil's taken away. When you turn to Jesus, that thing is taken away and you begin to see. For the first time, you begin to see. I think sometimes as we walk with Jesus, we need the veil taken away again. We allow, we allow blinders to come in and, and, and cloud part. Get that veil off of there. No matter how difficult it may be, get it off of there so that you can see and so that you can be free. So that you can truly be free. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. More and more like Him. That's, that's what we call and believe around here. It's called progressive sanctification. More and more like him every day. You're growing in him every day. You're not saved and you know everything. You're saved and then you grow and you mature. That's, that's the amazing path that we're on. Is I don't have to be this person next week and the week after. I don't have to be this person. I'm so thankful. I've got, I'm, I'm going on a, a, a little weekend trip in September with some friends that I went to college with. I've mentioned this before. Every year we go to a Texas Rangers game. And uh, they were all texting back and forth with me yesterday. We were setting it up, and they are saying, so you can be there on this day. I'm like, yeah. And, so, and they said uh, something along the lines of, now that you're a really important politician, how much are you going to pay us to keep all of this stuff quiet when you were 18? <laughs> and I was like, 
how much money is it going to take? Because <laughs> I remember when I was 18. But, uh, but I'm not that guy anymore. I'm not that guy. And I don't want to be this guy 10 years from now. How do I do that? I turn into Christ. I pursue Jesus. Pursue Jesus. Why don't you stand with me? Three things that I think sum this up. Number one, the old covenant began with Moses' face glowing. The old covenant began glorious. It's a pretty amazing thing that we have called the law and the Ten Commandments and all this stuff. But the old covenant only condemned without the understanding of grace and love and forgiveness and all this stuff, the, the law itself becomes only condemnation. But for us right here this morning, the new covenant brings freedom. You can be free, free in your spirit, free in your mind. I've talked about this a lot. The, the number one statistical thing that people are saying they want in their life right now, and almost any kind of poll you take that has anything to do with spirituality, they all say, I want peace in my spirit. My spirit is in turmoil. My mind is in turmoil. My soul is in turmoil. Well, guess what? Jesus brings freedom. He just does. Let's pray. Lord, we, we submit ourselves to you. You're the king. I'm not. Jesus, I'll never be the king. You're the king. You're the savior and the redeemer. I'll never be any of those things. Lord, you can forgive every one of us in this room instantaneously. I can't do that. You can pull us in close to God with your blood, Jesus. I can't do that. So, Jesus, I submit to you. I submit myself to you. You're the one that's in charge of all this. I'm not. So I submit myself. Have your way. Have your way in me and every one of us in here. Have your way. Jesus, we submit to you. I submit my mind, my heart to you. My plans only cause me problems. I submit to you. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a minute or two. I want to ask you this. How many of you are saying, I need this? And it may just be like I was saying earlier, maybe part of your life. You know that this part is not you're not really free in this area. Or maybe completely just in your spirit, in your mind, you're saying, I just don't, I just think, I don't think I'm free. I don't think I have that freedom. I don't think I have that coupled with peace. I don't think I have that. I'm not going to ask you to come down front or anything. We're just going to pray where you're standing. But that's me. I need freedom. I need it right now. I need it this morning. I'd get to raise your hand. I need this right now, right now. God's been working on me a couple of things in my spirit that I know I need freedom. I need freedom. Lord, you see our hands, you see our hearts. And Jesus, we're, we're calling out to you. We need help. We need help, Jesus. We need help to be free. We can't do it within ourselves. We can't do it by analyzing stuff in our mind. We can't do it by worrying. We can't fix any of these things. But Jesus, you said that if we just turn to you, that if we just turn to you, you will bring us freedom. So, Lord, I pray that. I pray that in my own mind, my own spirit. Lord, I want to be free. There's things that I know that Satan is trying to use against me. I don't want to be free of that. I want to be a free. I want to be free of what Satan is trying to use, and 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 how I let him do that so easily. Sometimes I want to be free. So Jesus, for every one of us in here, just cover us with your blood. Forgive us, wash us clean, cover us with your blood. Make us right with God. And then, Holy Spirit, you just wash into our mind and our spirit with your peace. 
set us free, set us free from the guilt, the control, the way we let Satan manipulate, set us free in Jesus' name. God, you're the everything. You're not just some, you're the everything. You're the everything over my mind, my marriage, my life, politics. You're the everything. I turn to you. I don't turn to anything else for that stuff. I turn to you in Jesus' name. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, Lord, we stand on this. There's freedom. There's freedom. We stand on your word. In Jesus' name. God, you're so good. You're so amazing. And your desire is so much more than we could ever want for us to be free. In Jesus' name. God, I pray for us this week as we're processing life and all the stuff, news cycles, everything that's going on. Let us, Lord, just remind us we're free in you. That we're free in you. Just remind us of that constantly this week. Let it be something that that jumps out at us at moments and times and conversations that I'm free. I can worship you. I can serve you. I can pursue you. I can go after your word anytime I want. In Jesus' name, amen. Before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you the opportunity Let somebody know Jesus loves them. It's the greatest thing you can ever tell somebody, that Jesus loves them. Look for opportunities. Look for conversations, uh, whatever you can do. And uh, God will honor that. He'll bless you and your life for that if you'll just let somebody know who Jesus is. Tell Tell them about him. God will honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. So shake somebody's hand. Tell them how glad you are that they're here. And we will see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your afternoon.